Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome to the Credible Nerds podcast with Mark and Justin. This is the podcast you're looking for. Don't go about your business. Stay here. Well, go about your business and listen. And then you can move along. Move along. And may the force be with you. Always. Welcome, everyone, to the Credible Nerds Podcast. We want to thank you guys for joining us here on the Mandalorian Review Show. This episode, we'll be talking about Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. We get to return to one of our favorite locations in the Star Wars saga and the Star Wars universe, and we'll be revisiting uh, one of our favorite planets. So we'll get into it. Uh, My name is Justin, and as always, I have my fellow gunslingers with me, Blake and Nathan. Hello. Yeah, everyone. So, uh, last episode we were talking about Sanctuary, how the Mandalorian uh, met up with Cara Dune for the first time, and they joined forces and were able to complete a mission and save some villagers. But then at the end, uh, Mandalorian had to leave that planet because he was being tracked by bounty hunters. So he takes off, and he gets in his ship, and then this episode starts out with... Uh, the Mandalorian's being pursued by another bounty hunter. Uh, there's kind of a laser battle going on, a space war, and his his ship gets damaged in that, but he's able to fight off the bounty hunter and, and destroy him. But he has to head to port, head to a safe locale to get some repairs. And wouldn't you know, he ends up flying into Mos Eisley on Tatooine. So uh, for you guys, uh, just kind of initial thoughts the Mandalorian's flying into this planet, Tatooine, where it's pretty much in, instantly recognizable. He comes in, flies in, lands in Mos Eisley. We know that. We've seen that several times before uh, in the films. And so what were you guys thinking when that happened? I, I mean, when it, whenever you get into something, you know, that recognizable and, and, and something with so much kind of uh, story behind it, it gets exciting. So I was excited to see him land and like, all right, what's, what's this adventure going to be? I, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it. You know, it got, it was, you know, it got the episode off to a, a big start right then and there. And uh, again, emphasize the point that was made at the end of the last episode that, that there, there are a lot of people looking for the Mandalorian and the child and uh he's they kind of established that 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 he's a hot commodity and uh uh, there's a big bounty on his head for what he did and the guild is more likely not very happy with him so uh, he pulls into moss eisley the wretched hive of scum and villainy that we all have come to know and love he lands in in his uh little um what do they call that docking bay and we're introduced to a new character. Uh, name is Peli Motto, played by Amy Sedaris. And I remember there was some buzz. Oh, Amy Sedaris is in this episode. Love her. And honestly, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I was kind of indifferent to her character. And the whole time, I mean, it was that hair. I just couldn't stop looking at her hair. It was like that 1980s feathered hairspray do (laughs) yeah (laughs) i thought it it was like rhea perlman from 
from Cheers. You remember her? Exactly. I could not. I could not. Yeah, the that. hair was a little much. Looks like she stepped out of an '80s sitcom yeah. for sure. Yeah. One day at a time, or something like that. Yeah. Mel's Diner. Yeah, <laughs> that's an old one. Mel's Diner. Yeah. So she saw. It's my grits. <laughs> yeah. So she shows up. She's nice. She offers to fix the ship for him. Uh, so he's got some time to kill. Um, he goes to, he's, he starts walking through town. And wouldn't you know it, he goes into the infamous Moss Eisley Cantina that we were first introduced to in episode four, A New Hope. And I don't think we've been back there. I think this is the first time, at least on film, that uh, we go back. And it's a little different this time. Uh, one of the, I did like it. I did like the twist. You walk in and there's a droid behind the bar and a lot of the customers are droids and, uh, you know, kind of a, a throwback to when Luke first walked in, the bartender told him, Hey, we don't serve your, those, your kind here. The droids have to leave. So droids weren't welcome, but apparently there's been some changes (laughs) and, uh, the droids are running the show now. Yeah. Um, he sits down and he's, he were introduced to another character. Uh, his name's Toro Colicon and, um, he's played by Jake Cannavale. He's the son of an actor. I can't remember his name, but, um, he's sitting in Han Solo's spot, right? Yeah. I saw that. And that was the first thing that I saw or noticed and, or at least if it's not the exact spot, it's, you know, he's sitting in the same style, the same stance, I guess. So we're kind of manipulated into believe this is another Han Solo. You know, this guy is that type of character, the gunslinger. The, the episode is called The Gunslinger. And so him and um, the Mandalorian start talking. And there's a bounty that uh, needs to be collected on Fennec Shand, uh, a well-trained mercenary. So Mandalorian agrees to help this guy out and they go get some speeder bikes from the back at the, the repair shop that his ship's at and they head off into the desert. So for you guys, what were your thoughts on revisiting the cantina? Was it well-played? Was it a shoe-in fan service type thing, unnecessary? Or did you like it? What what were your initial thoughts there? I liked the cantina scene. I thought it was great. Um, you know, there's there's nothing like going back to the cantina and seeing some of the uh, seeing some of the sets and the props. You know, I I was hoping there would be some music playing in the background. <laughs> it didn't seem as busy. You know, when in in a new hope that cantina it's packed you know there's a lot of people in there it's like elbow to elbow people at the bar so where this at this point in time and maybe it's just the time of the day maybe it's maybe it's yeah maybe live music's (laughs) on friday nights right right? (laughs) but uh but uh it's 10 o'clock in the morning what are you doing here but uh but yeah it, it seemed uh uh, but or or maybe that's just a sign of the times, right? Maybe maybe you know it's so many years after the empire and people have kind of moved on. But 
but maybe, you know, maybe Tatooine and Mos Eisley aren't as busy of a spaceport uh, as that, as it used to be, who knows? Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed any time that we go back and visit a familiar a place. Um, it kind of just brings the stories uh, closer together and ties them together and uh, some familiarity that with them and kind of sh- kind of makes the universe a little bit smaller and to think man that's for the mandalorian to be standing in the same room and sit in the same bench or, or chair that obi-wan and and han solo and and luke and or greedo and all that took place you know years earlier i i, I love it i think it's great yeah, I mean, for me, I, I felt the same way. I, it, pretty cool to see. It, it, it's it's interesting though, and I keep, I've kind of kept thinking about this though. The Mandalorian seems pretty, uh, you know. I mean, as as the story continues, I I'm surprised at how close in proximity he is to the Jedi and, and Tatooine and all these places. But but he's he's so unaware of of all of those things, the Jedi and, and what happened. And, and he seems pretty unaware of, uh, of, uh, of, of all of that, but, but very cool to, to revisit. Yeah. Uh, the cantina. It was cool. Yeah. That's a good point. These uh, planets all seem to be pretty close together in the system. Um, I don't, does this ship have hyperspace capabilities? I can't remember, but I know. I believe it does. Okay, so maybe it doesn't matter. But and he is going to this, you know, the same areas that seems like people know about Jedi and other places. So why doesn't you know? Why doesn't he know about it? That's a good point. So they head out. They're looking for Fennec Shand, and uh, they come across some Tusken Raiders, and. We get a little world building here, some character development for the the animals, the Tusken Raiders. You know, they were always uh, attacking people and killing them. I mean, they killed Anakin's mom and were always pillaging the farmers, the moisture farmers that were living around there. But here, they, they're nice. They help out the Mandalorian. They point him in the right direction. And they we learn that they, they speak or they use sign language. We can't understand what they're saying, but they are able to to use sign language. And I've seen things online where people who um, who actually you know use sign language, they recognized you know what they were saying. So I thought that was a pretty cool addition to the lore of the Tusken Raiders. So they they point them in the right direction, and they they end up coming across a, a dewback with a dead uh, person dead bounty hunter attached to the 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 saddle i guess um his foot's kind of still stuck in it and there's just being dragged so mandalorian's immediately um suspicious of what's going on and they they stop and they they scope things out um so we get a little more we get to know toro calicon a little bit more as far as a character you know we're led to initially believe oh this is a new han solo um, Han Solo 2.0, perhaps. And what were your guys' impression of, of this guy, Toro Kali Khan? Oh, for I mean, for me, it was uh, 
I, I also like right off the bat, he seemed kind of like this, this kind of, uh, like you say, this, this cool Han Solo type character, but then as his backstory, as he kind of starts to talk about, you know, wanting to, to get into the, the guild and, and, uh, you know, trying to kind of make a name for himself. I, I don't know, like there wasn't a whole lot for me to kind of connect with, with him. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, uh, go down that path too far. There wasn't a whole lot likable or notable about him. I, I didn't think after maybe those first couple of scenes. Yeah. I don't know. He, he again, he just kind of came across a little too superficial to me. And, uh, I, I didn't think he was, I certainly didn't think he was anything shady or had any ulterior motives um, and or played a, 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 a bigger role other than what they presented. And uh, he just seemed like kind of like a guy who, uh, you know, for the Mandalorian was a wit, you know, a means to the ways or ways to the means of him getting, you know, getting some money. But it, it did seem interesting that the bounty he accepted and was asking for help was, according to the Mandalorian, a, a top-rated assassin, and he was going to get his head blown off if he got anywhere closer. And it was also begs the question, you know, why was he? Did he think? If if there was some bigger grand scheme or plan, how would he have known that the Mandalorian was going to walk into that cantina when he did and recruit and then and and for him to recruit him? I mean, what he obviously wasn't didn't know what he was doing, or or did he know what he was doing? That that's the question, right? Is did he know what he was doing, and was he trying to like hope for get some help? And did he know the Mandalorian was going to show up? Going to show up? I, I don't think he could have. But if not, then what was he doing there? Was he just kind of like going to sit there in cantina for the rest of his life? You know, because because he accepted this bounty. When was he going to ever go after it? Because clearly he was scared, too scared to do it on his own. Yeah, I think he is. I got the impression like he's this well-to-do spoiled rich kid type persona where he's hasn't really had much experience in life but he's his overestimation of his skills is pretty high he feels like he's better than he is and so that's why he took the bounty mm -hmm. and so he's there he's like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this but then he starts to think well maybe i can't so he goes to the cantina this is all my head cannon just made it up but so he goes there to the cantina mm -hmm looking for some help. He's kind of delaying, procrastinating, I guess, where he's going to perhaps find, get some advice or find some help. But I don't think he knew that the Mandalorian was going to show up. And when he did, though, he's like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy can help me. And so I think he took advantage of that situation. But as far as him knowing that that would happen, I don't think he did. So they they recognize that this do-back is a trap so they they end up um and they she actually starts shooting at him so they 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 know that she's up there somewhere but they end up um 
you know, capturing her and and taking her prisoner. But throughout the whole thing, one of their speeder bikes speeder bikes got blown up, and so um, they have to go. They end up going back to where to get a, the do back to kind of help them carry everything. But it, so the Mandalorian heads back to get the do back, and then. So it's uh, Toro Kalikan and Fennec Shan sitting there talking, and throughout the whole time, Fennec's trying to talk her, talk him into letting her go, and he's like, you know, this Mandalorian, he's worth way more than I am, and there's this child that's, you know, they're all bigger bounties than I am, so you need to go after them, but in the meantime, he ends up shooting her, and we think he's killed her. So Mandalorian comes back and he's like, what'd you do, man? That was our money. So he's, they, they kind of fight. And then. Well, I think, I think uh, Mandalorian goes and, and he finds, uh, he finds Shan there yeah. shot. And he's like, Oh, what, what just happened? So, and uh, meanwhile, uh, Shan or uh, Toro had, had gone back to kind of, it come gone back to where uh uh where the child was kind of to wait for the mandalorian oh, yeah. and uh and that that was an interesting scene though you know he's kind of this this wet behind the ears guy trying to make his name and and i kind of get why he then got talked into going for the mandalorian kind of had the you know uh, those wide eyes of, of wow if i bring in the mandalorian here we go but he was pretty quick to <laughs> to unload on Shand and just, you know, completely, uh, uh, yeah. Take on, take on that new, uh, that, that, that new, uh, mission to take in the Mandalorian. I was surprised to see that turn so quickly. Yeah. And maybe, so, yeah. So, you know, they, they lose the speeder. He tries to tell him, "Hey, go back and get the the do back." And he's like, "Oh no, I'm not leaving you with alone with her." So, so obviously the Mandalorian says, "Okay, I'll go get the do back and come back." And while that takes place, they have this uh, the whole discussion, and she can tells him, "Hey, you know, you think you've got a big prize here with me? Well, you got a lot bigger prize with the Mandalorian." And uh, and of course, he's just like, "Well." I'm not going to risk uh, thanks for the tip. And he blasts her right there in the gut, kills her, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Mandalorian shows up in the dewback and finds her dead on the ground and makes the long trek back to back to the uh, to Mos Eisley where the showdown occurs. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was kind of surprising for him to shoot her just point blank right there, right in the gut. Uh, and uh and for you know the the way the mandalorian talked her up you know you're kind of like almost a little disappointed because you're just kind of like uh hoping that that you know she'd play maybe uh, we get to see a little bit more of her fighting skills the way he talked about what a cool uh what a what what an assassin she was so that was kind of surprising to see that yeah Cause I remember they announced her casting and, you know, online and everything. Everybody was like, whoa, Ming-Na is going to be in it. Um, but then, she, and she was a cool character, but she was a one and done 
you know, one episode and done character. And that was, that was uh, perplexing. It's like, well, why bring in her just for a few minutes of screen time and then kill her at the end? We find out later, but that's, yeah. that's a, a future episode of our podcast. But it was at the time, it was like, well, what was that all about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he, he shows up. So he makes it back to Moss Eisley spaceport. He goes to a ship and, um, Toro's kind of there with the Toro's got the child in in hand and he's got, uh, and he's got her, he's got the, the blast blaster painted, pointed right at, right at their head and uh, tells him to, to drop his, to, to put his hands up and he tells Toro to go back and uh, handcuff him behind his, behind his neck. But of course, you know, he's got like a, one of those flashbangs that they used earlier in the episode and he fires that off and Toro loses sight for a brief moment, which gives the Mandalorian an opportunity to, to step to the side and blast him while he's still holding the child, which of course a lot of people were you know, freaked out about. Yeah. Very protective of the child. Yeah. So that's the end yeah. of Toro Colicon. But he comes out. Yeah. Again, another, another new character introduced and dead by the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe he comes back. We shall see. Yeah. I mean, we seem to, Star Wars is starting to kind of establish kind of a pattern here, especially now with Boba Fett, right? Spoiler, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But we see, right, at the very end of this episode, what do we see? Mm-hmm. We see some feet, some yeah. boots. But uh, we, we hear the same boots. sound effects that we heard from Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back. Right. Yeah. Standing over the assassin's body. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right. And I've always thought it was Boba Fett. I didn't want to overcomplicate it, but this with the sound effects, I'm like, oh yeah, that's him. You know, why would it be someone else? So. Right. Yeah. I just didn't know how they were, you know, going to handle it. So. Um, and I think from that point, Everybody pretty much argued that it would be Boba Fett more than against it. I think there were some detractors, but for the most part, it was all but confirmed at that point. But that's the end of the episode. Um, we don't learn who the figure, mysterious figure is until later on. They do come back to it later. So we get a lot of nostalgia in this episode. You know, Tatooine, Mos Eisley. The cantina, speeder bikes. Uh, it, was, it was good to hear the the sound effects of the speeder bikes as they raced across the the dunes, and we met the, the Sam people, Tuscan Raiders. We saw Dewback, so a lot of nostalgia mixed in with this episode, and kind of hesitate to even call it nostalgia because, I mean, those things are Star Wars, so it's not like, you know, it's something new that you you haven't seen before in it's for me it is is it is cool to see the the old things 
but that's for me it's not like a gimmick or a all oh, the hey let's throw this in just to remind people um, and get nostalgic and emotional about it for me it's well of course you'd use a speeder bike because that's star wars so and of course you'd see tuscan raiders on tatooine because that's star wars mm-hmm. so they don't overcomplicate it which i appreciate so that's chapter five the gunslinger so is the gunslinger is that toro Calicon or is that the mysterious figure at the end or is it the mandalorian I think it's my, just my opinion. I, I think it's Toro. I think they tried to be like, you know, Mandalorian arrives in Mos Eisley and meets a gunslinger. Mm. But we find out later. I don't, and, and this is the question. He, he comes off as kind of like being, you know, and this was the discussion earlier. He presents himself to Man, the Mandalorian like, hey, I'm new at this. I need help. But then he's pretty ruthless in the end. And, and so w- was that just an act to get the Mandalorian to play along? I don't think so, because he doesn't seem to really know about the history that the Mandalorian seems to be taking with him. But he doesn't come off to me at the end as maybe being as inexperienced as he lets on, or at least or he, at least he tries to portray to the Mandalorian because he's kind of a cold-blooded killer. Uh, you know, when he, when he shoots her dead right there without any provocation except for the information. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Could be a, a faint. I, I think he's had some experience, but I don't think he's a Han Solo level. So. Oh, no. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. Next episode is called Chapter 6, The Prisoner. And we'll be diving into that soon. So stay tuned for that episode. We want to thank you guys for joining us here on the Credible Nerds Podcast and the Mandalorian Season 1 Review Show. We will go through all eight episodes of season one and then we'll start up with season two which is currently running at the time of this recording so that's why some spoilers may have slipped out but try to keep it to a minimum um and then yeah we'll move into season two at some point in the near future talk about those pretty awesome the season two is just as good as season one in my opinion if not better so we'll keep doing it uh hopefully you'll keep listening we appreciate uh you tuning in and listening to to this podcast we want to invite everyone to check out our new private feed for our podcast called uh, credible nerds nerd nation so check out our website CredibleNerds.com, and read up on that so you can join and subscribe to our private feed and you'll be able to get exclusive content and exclusive episodes that you won't get on in our free uh, podcast feed so Definitely, if that's something you're interested in, if you want more Credible Nerds, more sweet episodes, uh, check us out there. So thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. See you. Adios.
All right. So I thought Did I, could... I do a spoiler. What? I need a sweet. I need a sweet sign off like you, Nate. <laughs> Adios. Did I do a spoiler? I didn't think I did. No. I hinted as yeah, spoiler. Yeah, it was just a hint. But it's fine. <laughs> you said <laughs> something along the lines. Is it him? Is it not? We don't know. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> wow, you can cut that whole thing out. Uh, I think at this point, people know. That's the, the struggle. Yeah, right. like, you yeah. know, do we just tie it all in? Because pretty Spoiler much alert. everyone's listening. Darth Vader is Luke's dad. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're, you're talking about like, and it, it's interesting because like, uh, so we know that that uh, Fennec Shand, I think it is, right? Yeah. That, um, that uh, you know, she comes back and uh, and now she's like, I, I don't know, somebody who was kind of partially responsible for me being caught and almost killed. I don't know if I'd be like forever in their debt for returning my buddy's coat, you know? Yeah, yeah that part was flimsy. But uh, it, I mean, yeah. I, I, I do think, it, I, I saw a tweet about it. It said, like somebody said something like, I can't remember exactly what it said. It said, the Mandalorian is just a story about him flying around space, making best friends everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, oh, that's about right. Like everywhere he goes, he's just got that personality. People love him. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for a little bit of, of the backlash of people to be like, he flies somewhere. He needs, a, he needs help. The person he needs help from needs a favor. It says, I'll help you, but only if you help me. Yeah. And the whole episode is, okay, I'm helping you. And then they get what they need at the end. And then he flies to another planet yeah. and says, okay, I'm here for this. And like, oh, I'll give this to you, but I need help. Will you <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll help you. And it's just like, I'm, I'm waiting for kind of the internet to, to be like, like, okay, enough with the flying from planet to planet to planet and him needing a favor, them saying, okay, I'll help you, but if only you do me a favor. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good point. What did you think of, so we haven't really, so the last few episodes, I mean, like the razor crest got blown up. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of that? I was thinking, Oh yeah, that was rough to see. Funny Cause every time like the sec, no, the third episode. No, the second episode. He crashes on the ice planet, and I'm like, okay, the ship's done. How's he gonna get out of here? But somehow it flies off. Yeah, right. And then he goes to the water planet and yeah. it falls in the ocean. I was like, okay, it's done. <laughs> but they pull it out, fix yeah, it. Right. <laughs> he goes to the next <laughs> planet, and then finally, <laughs> it just gets blown to smithereens. I was like, hey, okay, well, they're the not fixing that. Every... <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, every time he like flies off, a piece of it falls out yeah. into space, right? Yeah. And it's kind of like it's kind of like with our cars. Something little happens, I don't fix it. Yeah. Another little thing happens, I don't fix it. Another little thing happens, I don't fix it. I finally take it into the shop, and then I told the car, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Even even in the first season, the whole thing gets taken apart. Yeah, it gets completely dismantled by the Jawas. And it, and he brings a he brings all these parts back on this you know little bar floating trailer barge 
And I'm like, how is that supposed to fly through space at the speed of light? Yeah. I mean, it's like held together with like twine and screws and like and small Coke Coca-Cola right? cans. And, it, and then yeah. and then after the the after the uh, the one episode when it's like, you know, after the ice planet and the spice spiders completely destroy it and the, just him crashing it it's sliding across the ice yeah. you know the bottom of that ship yeah. and uh i'm like and he's like okay we're gonna we can make it we're close but we won't we'll have to go really slow and you know and we won't have the you know uh only only the the cockpit will be uh pressurized right yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he's flying along and like the back doors open and stuff's falling out of it. And then I'm like, how is that? And, but the, yet they show it land, going through the, like, you know, almost a fireball as it enters the atmosphere. And I'm like, there's no way. I mean, the shuttle gets hit with a piece of styrofoam uh, taking off and it completely incinerated on reentry when it came back and all the astronauts died. And this thing is supposed to be, I mean, I, I just, all right. You, you have to take, you have to take a, a lot of, a lot of salt, a teaspoon of salt on some of this stuff. Yeah. But, but then what's so funny is he gets it fixed, right? He turns it over to the Mon Calamari, which are supposed to be like these great shipbuilders, right? That's what they're known for, right? Yeah. And he gets in it. And at the end of that scene, he like performs these like starfighters x-wing stunt and blows up all these ships in it and he's like you're like where did that come from yeah. right um and now and it gets all fixed up and now it's just dust it's just powder yeah. on some planet i thought i was just like whoa are you that's insane but now no. they're flying away and now they're flying around in slave one which is kind of like my wife can't stand the entire time we're watching that episode, she's like, that ship makes no sense. It's, it's, like, it's the not same aerodynamic. Thing. She's like, and there's I'm no like, way that well, ship could fly. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Star Wars. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you been watching this show? Yeah. I'm like, first of all, it's space. There's no aerodynamics in space. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, no, there's no air. There's no air. You don't need it, something to be aerodynamic in space. But then I was like, my argument went out the window when it was flying around on the planet, ab yeah. above the planet. She's like, that ship makes no sense. The way those guys are sitting and the, and I, I, she's like, I don't understand it. I'm like, you know, I'm still confused about the, the, ray, the, uh, the laser guns on the Millennium Falcon um, and how those work because it shows... <laughs> When it shows Luke and Han like looking out a window, but the guns are like on the roof and on the <laughs> bottom. Yeah. I mean that, but that doesn't even make that doesn't even make sense. And I, I googled it once, and someone someone uh, the lamest explanation, the, the most believable but dumbest explanation was <clears throat> the room they were in was an anti gravity room or some dumb thing like that. <laughs> Okay. But I'm like, I'm still confused on on the the blasters on the Millennium Falcon and how those things work mm -hmm. in relation to where 
like Han and Luke and then where Finn was sitting and like that doesn't make sense that doesn't work with the way they have the gun on the ship in relation to where they're sitting and when they show the scene uh, uh, like that doesn't compute right to me mm-hmm. and there's no window like you said it's star the wars the bottom. Right? right yeah they just make things up when they need it it just that's what well, one of the, i just watched i i I've, I've been watching the episodes one through three right and so um i watched like the first two a couple months ago and then the other night i'm like i put on revenge of the sith and it still bugs me to this day that you know r2d2 all of a sudden he's he's got he's got this arm and he's throwing things and he's catching things and he's <laughs> yeah. spewing out oil and then he's he's got these little jets that jet out his arm and he's able to fly around like a jet pack and i'm like where did like, where did that where did that come from that sure would have been handy to use in some of the other episodes <laughs> like we just it's like uh herbie yeah. fully loaded it's you like know? well we've got this how are we gonna solve this problem oh we'll just have we'll just add some jet packs to r2d2 it's just like whatever the funniest thing about the (laughs) razor crest that i it kept happening like it break down and he'd have to fix it and it'd take like in in movie time or show time it'd take like a couple hours like with the job was it's like well i gotta put it all back together but it only took one night (laughs) i worked all night now it's fixed (laughs) Yeah. yeah i know I know it takes me like it takes me like six hours to change a light bulb yeah. in my car. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get the manual out and everything. Yeah. So and then when yeah, uh, don't put me on the spaceship uh, detail. Yeah. And then when the when they went back to the one planet with Cara Dune in season two, it was all beat up. I think it was after the Mon Calamari fixed it. He went back. And he lands like, yeah. oh, I gotta get my ship. Can you fix my ship? And then they went on their mission to the Imperial base on somewhere else, and they come back, and the ship's like brand new. <laughs> so it was like three hours later; it's all fixed up again. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just it's it's yeah. just silly. Some of the stuff. Yeah, that's <laughs> like yeah, even even Luke's X-wing is like submerged in a swamp yeah right for days and yoda just lifts it up and out and he just jumps in it and light speeds it to to wherever it's just kind of like oh my gosh whatever. well there's the one in rise of skywalker i can understand why where oh yeah luke raises it out of the water after like 15 years and ray gets in it and just flies away like it works yeah works great salt water it does is it's perfectly fine it does nothing to metal or all yeah well salt's whatever. like a everything's made out of right? uh, oh yeah totally <laughs> that's right yeah. 